How about some apple cake, too, and none of that gluten-free nonsense, either? We're gluten-tolerant around here, baby, she said as she flitted about her kitchen, getting out flour and mixing bowls, a five-foot, ninety-pound typhoon. I'm really not all that hungry, Mrs. Schmulowitz. Please don't trouble yourself. Trouble what trouble, you're a growing boy. They say circulation worsens the older you get. Mrs. Schmulowitz was well past older. Her age matched the temperature in her house, somewhere in the high 80s. Still, it seemed to me somewhat out of character that she'd changed into sweatpants, fuzzy Ugg slippers, and a thick New York Giants hoodie since returning home from her trip back east. Are you feeling okay, Mrs. Schmulowitz? Me? Never better. You do know it's ridiculously hot in here, right? What do I look like, a schmendrick? She put a match to a burner on her vintage Wedgwood stove. Absopositively, it's hot in here, Bubby. I did some carb loading on vacation, scarfed down a few too many knishes because who wouldn't? They're delicious. I'm wearing off the chicken fat, baby. Tomorrow I'm going to run a 5K. She chopped tomatoes and cracked open eggs and droned on about how wonderful it was seeing former students and old boyfriends back in Brooklyn. I tried to pay attention, but the heat inside her kitchen was starting to get to me. I excused myself and assured her I'd be back in a few minutes. I made sure Kitty, its water bowl inside the garage, was full. Then I went and sat down on the hammock outside and called my former father-in-law again to brief him on my jailhouse interview with his nephew. I'd left two messages for him earlier in the day, the first as I waited for Mrs. Schmulowitz's flight to arrive, and the second after I'd dropped her back home and gone swimming, trying to cool off in the ocean. This time Gil Carlisle answered, his phone on the first ring. It was 0200 hours in Geneva. He sounded like I'd gotten him out of bed. You're telling me, Dean, how did it? That's not what I'm saying, Gil. He denied any involvement, but what I'm saying is he said a few things, displayed some behavior that, from my perspective, didn't engender what I would describe as complete confidence in his innocence. Somebody else could come along and interpret his words and body language much differently. If I knew Dino better, observed him over a longer period of time, I'd have a better sense of whether or not he was being truthful with me. Did he talk to you about this whole being framed thing? He refused. He was scared. About what, I couldn't tell. You think there's any truth to it? Somebody else trying to pin all this on him? Look, all I know, Gil, is that somebody, the DA, the police, must have some fairly solid evidence against the kid or they wouldn't have taken him into custody. Carlyle sighed over the phone. My little sister's gonna skin me alive if I don't help him out. Savannah had confided shortly after we were married that her father was worth close to half a billion dollars, paying for the best attorney money could buy to represent his nephew, even in a losing cause, would have still been pocket change to Gil Carlisle. Why he was at all reluctant to get out his checkbook for Dino Birch, I couldn't tell you. But he was more than willing to do so for me. How much for your time and trouble? he asked. Nothing. Don't give me that, Cordell. I know you gotta make a living. What do you need? Name it. Closure would have been too much to ask for. I told him he could buy me a burrito when we saw each other next. We left it at that. I punched in Alicia Rosario's number after I signed off. I wanted to make sure she'd made it back to San Diego okay, and to tell her again how sorry I was about the way things had gone between us that morning, but she didn't pick up. 
The shakshuka was not merely to die for, it was to kill for. Mrs. Shmulowitz and I were watching the Weather Channel and dining off TV trays in her living room, which had cooled off not at all. Will you look at this nonsense, she said, pointing to the screen of her ancient console Magnavox. Twenty-four hours a day, all those nice-looking people have to stand in front of all those maps so they can all tell us what it's like outside. We had something like this when I was growing up in Brooklyn. It was called a window. I'd be happy to watch something else, Mrs. Schmulowitz. Go, knock yourself out. I got up, wiping the sweat from off my forehead with a paper napkin, and rotated the channel selector to the local news, just in time to catch the lead-in to Danica Quinn's story on the latest developments in the Hollister case.